Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. It's so good to be here today, isn't it? And uh, I'm sorry you're still sitting there in masks. Not that it's my fault, but I'm sorry for you that you're sitting there in masks. But I'm just so glad you're here. I'm just so glad that there are some of us still in the city who are ready to come and dedicate ourselves in the whole year to the Lord together. And I believe God will do something beautiful and powerful in each one of us just because we're here, just seeking his presence. Yeah, I was listening on New Year's Eve to... um something on the television, you know, as the, as the night's get starting to build up and um, some reporter somewhere in Sydney and she was talking about the year and looking to, and then she makes this comment and something about 2021, looking forward to 2022 and she said, so good riddance 2021 and it probably echoes the feelings of a lot of people but it's not wise to say good riddance, it's actually wise to look at the year that happened that was allowed to happen for some reason and see what happened and what did you learn from what happened last year. Uh, you, you will learn things personally, you'll learn things globally, you'll learn things as a nation and if you don't reflect, you can miss out on what God was trying to bring to us, which might seem strange at the moment but hopefully that will become apparent. On New Year's Eve, we sat with my sister and her husband and we went through what we were grateful for for last year because if I said, what was hard last year, turn and tell someone what was hard, I would be trying to stop you talking. It would go on and on and on. But maybe if I said, what are you grateful for? It might take a little bit longer to build up. So we need to start thinking about what what were we grateful for last year? And what did God reveal to us? So here's a few things that I, I think I learned about, this is just generally about people. If you look at last year, it shows us a lot about what we really value. And what we really value is life. Because we have now spent two years changing everything in the world, including the economy of the world, which is money is very important to us, but more than that is life. And even though very many people disagree on how we do that and the right way to do it, everyone agrees that we want to live, don't we? If someone see you see someone drowning, we try to save them. We don't say, who is that person? Do they deserve to be saved? We long to save them. We actually fight for life. Our government has spent billions of dollars just trying to keep people alive and we all applaud that i guess most people applaud that that we keep some that we keep people alive we're bothered about people around the world who are <clears throat> dying we don't like that it's on the news constantly when you see a country with a huge death rate that hits the news so we actually value life we fight to rescue people we've seen it not just with the the pandemic but there was that little girl in western australia who disappeared And the whole nation was praying and hoping, depending on what they believed, praying and hoping that that little girl would be found. And everyone was looking at that every day to see, was that little girl found? And when she was found, the whole nation rejoiced. The Prime Minister spoke about it. Everyone was happy that that one little girl was found healthy and well because we fight for life. We fight against sickness. We fight against death. We love kindness and we love mercy. So on Sydney Harbour on on New Year's Eve, they had a whole lot of um, boats um, with blue lights on to say thank you to um, medical people, healthcare workers, because we love it that there's people who, um, who help fight for life. 
So we, we want to honour those people. That's what we actually value. You can see by the response we have made to the pandemic and not just the pandemic, to other things, to bushfires, floods, droughts, all the things I've experienced in the last two years. Sometimes you forget that, that two years ago we had raging bushfires and it seems like a long time ago now. And people went out in their droves to fight to rescue people and animals, actually. And, uh, and all of us do it in, in different ways. I was watching a lady the other night on the television who was fighting for possums in Western Australia who are dehydrated. And um, I love possums, but I thought, isn't it good that we're all slightly different? Because I wouldn't be out fighting, wouldn't even know where to find a dehydrated possum. But she does, and God's made us all different with a little, we fight for life, but we all have a slightly different passion on how we're going to do that. And um, you may be here and you may be, I used to live next to a, a woman who was a fighter for animal wildlife, and uh, it was really interesting visiting her house because it was full of possums and because her dad was involved in black butt. She was full of possums and baby kangaroos that had been rescued and everything, so we're all a little bit different. But it's also shown us some of our weaknesses. Here are the weaknesses, some of the weaknesses. You will have seen some. We divide really quickly. We form our own little groups really, really quickly. And when we realise that someone has a different opinion to us, we're not sure if we want to hang out with them quite as much because we'd prefer to find a little group of people where we all think exactly the same. Why is that? Because that makes us feel right. You don't want to be with someone who might think differently to you because firstly, they don't think you're right. That's humiliating because you're always right. That's hard to take. Um, so we form our own little groups and we are afraid. We, the more we isolate from other groups, the more we become afraid of those other groups. And the other thing that happened last, in the last couple of years and it's been in our society since the fall was a lot of blaming and accusation. So who would want to be the Prime Minister? When things are going well, everyone's, he's amazing. One thing goes wrong, it's all his fault. You wouldn't want to read the newspaper too much if you were the Prime Minister, I think, just sort of sometimes wake up and pull the blankets over your head and just hope it all goes away. We live in such a blessed country, but, but there's been a lot of complaining in the last year. We take kindness and generosity for granted. So, you know, we got JobKeeper last year and some people committed fraud with JobKeeper to make money out of it. We got JobKeeper and some people complained about JobKeeper and about the system. But we actually had JobKeeper. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That everyone in the country received some income. For, for some, it wasn't very much, but it was something. That's pretty amazing. And so we do complain. We take kindness and mercy for granted and we see things as competitive. This is an interesting thing. We always see life as being competitive. So when Australia has does something really well, say we've got the highest vaccination rate in the world and if everyone goes, wow, look at that, we've got the highest vaccination rate in the world. If we don't, we go, what's wrong with us? Because we always want to be the best and we pride ourselves on being the best rather than um, saying, how can we help another country? So we love it. If our economy is the strongest in the world, we pride ourselves on that. We talk more about that more than how we could help another country whose economy is not good. So there's this competitive nature in us that likes to stomp down other people. That's some of the things I've seen. You might have seen different things in what we've learned about ourselves. That's really good to look back and I encourage you to do this today and over the coming week to look back and see what you've seen in human nature 
nature and what you've seen in your own human nature. Because just as we fight for life, and you've seen us throwing billions and trillions of dollars around the world into fighting for life, there is a deeper and enduring life than your physical life. The news is that you will die one day. You know, there was a man called Lazarus and Lazarus, and Jesus raised him from the dead. He was already dead in a tomb and he'd been there for four days and Jesus raised him. But guess what? He's not still alive. He died. I don't know when he died. It's not recorded. But he did die. So even if you are raised from the dead now, if you're really sick and and God heals you, you will die. But you have a soul. And it's actually your soul that you really, through your soul, you really experience life. It's actually the life of your soul which is more important than anything. The life of the body is incredibly important. It's a gift from God. And the desire to heal is the heart of God because you see it all through Jesus. But the life of the soul is so, so important. And we don't throw billions and trillions of dollars into rescuing the souls of people. And how's your soul? Because Jesus talks a lot about the soul. The Bible talks a lot about about the soul. And Jesus says this in Matthew 10, 28, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul and body in hell. You do have a soul and it is precious and it is a gift to you. And how's it going? What's, like, is it fit? Is it healthy? Is it active? Is it alive? Is it dead? Have you thought about it? The health of your soul. What's it like today? Matthew 16, 26, Jesus says, What will it profit a man or a woman or a child if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? You can actually throw your soul away. You see people doing that with their bodies, that they do a whole lot of things, but they destroy their body by abusing it in some way. You can do the same to your soul, and your soul is actually where life emanates from. What shall a man give in return for his soul? And in in 3 John 1, 2, we read, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. So health actually begins from the inner inner person. Firstly, is your soul alive? Graham was talking about that earlier. Is your soul alive? That doesn't mean you don't think and feel and love. It doesn't mean that you're not a good person. But is there life coming from deep within you? Is your soul alive? Your soul can only become alive by the Spirit of God. And Jesus said this in John 17, 3. This is in the Passion Translation. Eternal life means to know and experience you. This is Jesus talking to his Father. He says, eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son whom you have sent. Now, here is a picture of life in the soul, which we'll unpack a bit more. I was, um, there was a man the other day sharing about the, the fact that he, um, he grew up in the church and he believed in God and he tried really hard to be really good and to be honouring and to go to church. But then he encountered people and he realised it was all in his head but it never really got to his heart. In other words, what he's trying to say is you can actually read the Bible, you can still do a lot of what it says, but you can do it without real life in the depth of your soul. Your soul is actually dead. It's actually dead. And that's why this simple term that's been made fun of in movies and things about being born again is so, so important because it means a seed of life is sown into your soul and your soul springs to life. And sometimes we think, oh, and that's it, now I go to heaven, but it's, you, yes, you do go to heaven, but it's far more than that. It's, it's like this is why it's being called born, born again, 
Because, you know, when you hold a little baby, it's just born. But you don't just put it aside and say, now grow up. It has to be, a baby has to be nurtured and cared for and carried around and they can't be left alone for a long, long time. And your soul, when it's born again, requires nurturing and caring for and teaching and learning and understanding. A baby will go through hard times. It will try to walk and it will fall over. It will get teeth and it will hurt. It will go to school and learn the hard things of life as it grows up. We've all been through this. And your soul, as it grows, experiences things that make it stronger as it grows by the Holy Spirit within you. So what is the health of your soul today? Firstly, is it alive? Um, Is it sick? Is it hurting? Is it finding life really hard? Is it despondent? Is it hopeful? Is it full of joy? Have you thought about today what is the health of your soul? And in this verse in John 17, 3, where it says eternal life means to know and experience you. And sometimes we think eternal life is to believe just a list of doctrines. But eternal life, this is the life of your soul. So eternal life is not just um, when you go to heaven. Eternal life starts as soon as you are born again and it is a quality of life. It's more than life without time. It's life with, that's deep within you that, that overcomes everything. It's eternal life and it starts right now. And it says this is what it's like. It's about knowing God and experiencing God, knowing God the Father and experiencing Jesus whom you have sent. It's about knowing him and experiencing him. And this is the beginning of understanding the health of your soul, how well you know him and you experience him. And as you grow, it's like it's a baby when I look at babies, my children and them, my two little grandchildren, and um, you look at them when they're first born and you see this little face and you wonder what is in there, what is in that DNA, what's going to happen, what's going to unfold, and, and gradually expression starts to come on their face and they respond to you. And as, the, as they go on, you start to see personality come through and gifts and talents come through and you start to get to know them. You actually start to know them as a person. And that's a thrilling thing to actually get to know someone that you love as a person. And this is what it's like with God. You actually get to know him as you grow in him. And that will determine the health of your soul. There's a story in Exodus 33 where Moses, who was the great leader, who took the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and took them through to the promised land. And while he's in this wilderness, he has an experience with God. And he says to God, show me your glory. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of the glory of God. I spent many years thinking about what is this glory of God? And we we pray, God, we just want to see your glory and we worship and we say, God, we want to see your glory. And sometimes we might imagine his glory is like the the fireworks on the Sydney Harbour Bridge on New Year's Eve that we're all worshipping and suddenly out of the blue fireworks start leaping out of the building. We say we saw the glory of God. But if you want to see what the glory of God really looks like, Moses said to him, show me your glory. And in Hebrews 1.3, we read this, that the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So looking at Jesus is actually seeing his glory. But then in Exodus 33, when Moses says, show me your glory, this is what God says to him, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. So when Moses said, show me your glory, God said, I'll proclaim my name. And what's this about? 
So the glory of God that we're about to see is actually his character and his nature because the name of God, when um, you know, particularly in past days, when people chose a name for a child, the name meant something, it signified something about their character and their nature. So with, with our kids, I tried to cho- choose names that signified something about what I hope would be their character and nature, something to declare over them. So when God declares his name, it actually means his character and his nature. And he's saying, my character and my nature is my glory. It's not fireworks. There'll be times when you might see something that is like fireworks, but his character and his nature is his name. And this is what you're coming to know as your soul grows. This is what you're coming to know. And so in Exodus 34, 6 to 7, it says, And he passed, the Lord passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. That is the glory of God. That is the one you are coming to know. He is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. And now the health of your soul is determined now by how you respond when that's read out. Because if I read this, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. And you're sitting there thinking, next point. That tells you something about your soul. It tells you the lights haven't come on to realise what this actually means for you. Because the God is compassionate towards you. When you have a dark day, all you need is his compassion. He is gracious. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in love and faithfulness. He's maintaining love to thousands and he forgives you. He forgives your wickedness, your rebellion and your sin. And as you get to know him, that life within you starts to grow and that's what you become like. You become like him. So how is your soul today? Does your soul thrill when you realise that? And if not, I'm not saying that to condemn anyone. I'm saying that there might be a little bit of sickness, deadness, apathy, something that's happened in your soul that is not excited about what this actually means. It can be a little bit like have a government who comes and pays for a whole lot of things and uh, you take it for granted. You live in a country where if you're sick, you just go straight to any hospital and everything is free. But it's not like that in America, is it? Nil. No. But if you're in Australia, you demand that as your right and you don't ever write to any government and say, thanks, that was really good. You just say, do you know how long I waited up there? That's all you say because you don't appreciate it. And that's what we become like. We don't appreciate it. And I want to say to you today, if I read this out again and it, and it doesn't excite you, that it would say to me and to, to all of us that we don't appreciate what this really means. And I would say to you, if you want to have a great year and thrive this year, ask God to give you a heart that appreciates that. Ask God to soften your heart and break your heart so that you look at that and you would fall on your knees when you see that. Because you and I need compassion and grace. We need someone who feels for us when life is hard, even when we bring it upon ourselves. We need someone who shows grace to us when we haven't earned anything. We need someone who doesn't get angry with us when we mess up. We need someone who abounds in love towards us when we're not always lovely and faithful towards us when we're unfaithful. We need someone who maintains love to thousands through the generations and forgives us when we do. We need that. 
And when we don't realise that, it's because our eyes haven't been opened to who we really are and what we're really like. There's a story in um, the book of Samuel about King David, a great king who was called a man after God's own heart. But um, David one night, was on his castle he looked down he saw a woman bathing on the roof of her house and he wanted this woman and he brought this woman into his house and she fell pregnant and he realized he shouldn't have done this and so he um her husband was a commander in his army and he had his her husband put on the front line so that he would be killed to cover up for his sin And then he brought the woman in and married her and he thought, there you go, I got what I wanted. You think, I've never done anything like that. But it's, uh, have you ever had intentions to get something and uh, you'd you'd do anything to get it and you got it? You have done something like that. And, uh, And he just went on his merry way. And then a man called Nathan, who was a prophet, came to see him. And Nathan tells him the story. And he, sa- he tells him a story and he says, well, there was a, there's a really rich man who's got lots and lots of sheep and next door to him is a poor man. He's got one little lamb and he loves this lamb. He feeds the lamb by hand. He brings the lamb into his house. They all love it and they all care for it. And the really rich man has guests one night and uh, he doesn't want to use any of his sheep. So he goes and takes the poor man's one lamb and he, suck- he kills it and feeds all his friends with that lamb. And David said, What? because David's the king, who is this man? Bring him to me and I will have him severely punished. And Nathan said, it's you. We all have blind spots. He couldn't see that. And you think, why couldn't he see that? He committed adultery and murder. Surely he could see that. But he's the same as you and me. You can't see it. If you want to be really brave, if you want your soul to go really well, not only do you get to know God, you allow God to know you. And you get him to do what Nathan, what he did for Nathan, which was a gift, with through Nathan to David. It's a gift when you actually see yourself. Say to God, let me see myself. And he won't let you see yourself totally because you'll be so shocked. But if he'll let you see yourself gradually. And when you see yourself and you see the health of your soul, you realise that you have this one who is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness and maintaining love to you and forgiving you and who wants to transform you to become like his glory. You're actually meant to become like that. And so you get to know him, you experience. That's why eternal life is experiencing him. It's not just knowing about him. It's not just reading that list and saying God is like that. It's actually personally experienced compassion and grace. It's personally experiencing his slow, slowness to anger, his love, his faithfulness, his, his forgiveness. It's personally experiencing it. And you won't personally experience it unless you're real before God. Now, we were studying recently in our Connect group, Genesis, right at the very beginning, and uh, when Adam and Eve were first fooled by the serpent and God comes and says, what have you done? And they immediately started saying, he, he made me, she made me, he said this, she said this, etc., etc." And someone in our group was saying, what if they just said to God, sorry, we, I messed up. Maybe the world would not have fallen like it fell because they were real before God. But all they were trying to do was get to God to take their eyes off them and point to someone else. And that's what, when we, do, that's what we do when we blame. We take, God, get, take, the, take the focus off ourselves and point to someone else. But if we can come to God and say, show me who I am, he will show you who you are for your sake so that you can become like him. You can become full of his glory. So, Health check. We're just going to finish off with a health check looking at 1 John, a soul health check to see where you are today. So firstly, just before we go on to the 1 John, just to look at this, 
you are designed to bring the glory of God into the world. So when people get to know you, the aim eventually is that they would say, you can put your name in here, he or she is compassionate and gracious. He or she is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. He or she maintains love to thousands and forgives people. That's how they would describe you because you start to reveal the glory of God. And so 1 John 4, John, 1 John 4 is a letter written by John and uh, he's writing this in his 90s. So he's got to the end of his life and he's realised what is important and what life is actually all about. And he writes this and I'm going to read the passage then I want to just give you five things to check on in your life to see the health of your soul. And it says this, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So quick soul health check. And uh, you have to, do, if you want to do a proper health check, you've got to be real. Particularly men, I think, do this when they go to the doctor and the doctor says, how does it feel? Yeah, I'm not that bad. We've had this discussion in our house before. And I say, I'm going to come to the doctor with you and tell him the truth. You are sick. And, uh, you know, you've got to get it out. I remember just after I'd had my fourth baby, which was horrendous labour, I took my mum to the doctor and she had some pain. And the doctor said to her, so how bad is the pain um, out of 10? Consider eight as childbirth. I said, what? He goes, okay, 10 is childbirth. So. You've never given birth. How would you know where it falls on the scale? So you've got to be real about it. I was just being real with him. So firstly, verse 16, we know and rely on the love God has for us. We know and rely. How much do you know the love of God and how much are you relying on that? Think of anything you're, you're suffering today, any fears, any relationship problems, any worries, any regrets, any pains, any sorrows. You can rely on God's love. And when your soul is healthy and full of life, regardless of what is going on around you, regardless of what storm is blowing, you can rely on the love of God. If you're not, you're not condemned. It's just a vision that you can have. Like, what? I can rely on the love of God in this, despite the fact that I messed up, despite the fact that everything seems so hopeless, despite the fact that I can't work out how to solve this problem. I can rely on the love of God. Yes, you can. You can rely on the love of God. And a healthy soul has to wrestle to get to that point. It's not something always that just happens. You've got to wrestle to get to that point. But you can know and rely on the love God has for you. So if there is a situation in, the, in your world today where you are struggling to rely on God's love to bring it to good, then your soul needs an injection of, of health from the Holy Spirit. It needs to believe in the love of God. You can't do it by yourself. The Holy Spirit can do it for you, but you can partner with the Holy Spirit to enable it to happen. You know and rely on the love of God. How much do you know the love of God and how much are you relying on the love of God? And do yourself a proper health check. You don't have to tell anyone. Secondly, in verse 17, it says, This is how love is made complete among us 
so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. How much are you like Jesus? And if you want to know that, just start reading the Gospels and consider what Jesus is like, the way he hangs out with the people that nobody wants to hang out with, the way he forgives, the way he's calm, the way he's wise, the way he trusts totally in the love of God. If, if you become, As you become more like Jesus, what this is saying is this is how love is made complete among us. This is how the world will be changed. This is God's plan for this change of society is you being like Jesus. You are meant to be like Jesus. Don't be so hard and say, oh, I couldn't say that I'm like Jesus. You should say I'm like Jesus. You should be saying I'm growing to be more like Jesus every day. Sometimes we we think it's humble to say, no, I'm nothing like Jesus. If you have the Spirit of God in you, you should be something like him. There should be something that says I'm a bit like Jesus because you're born again into his family. So it has to be something like him in you. And if you start declaring that over yourself more than I'm nothing, but to say, actually, I'm becoming more like Jesus every day. This is how our society will be transformed. When a group of people like this gather together every week to become more like Jesus and we learn to love each other here and we go into the world to be like Jesus, that is God's plan for the transformation of society. And you get to partner it. You are becoming like Jesus. And you need to declare that over yourself and over each other. You are becoming like Jesus. Rather than being the blamers and accusers, pointing out people's faults, point out what you see in them that is becoming like Jesus to encourage them in this world, in this life, to know that actually I'm being transformed. I'm becoming like Jesus. It's a miracle. And honestly, it is a miracle. I love that when Graham said at the start, hand up if you actually have seen that, that God does transformation in your life. And it was great when people raised their hands because it's actually saying, yes, I actually once was not like I am now. I'm actually better. I'm actually more peaceful. I used to be angry. I'm actually kinder. I used to be harsh. You know, all those things that happen in your life. How good to, and it's not giving glory to yourself. It's giving glory to God that you're seeing his glory coming out of you. And we should be rejoicing in that. And what you see in each other that's so beautiful, where you see the transformation, go and tell someone, say, I noticed your kindness. Love seeing Jesus in you. It's beautiful. And say it about yourself when you see it happen, when you see, actually, I got over that really, really quickly. Once I would have been upset about that for ages, but actually I snapped out of that one really quickly. Praise God, I'm being changed. Acknowledge it when the change happens. Thirdly, there is no fear in love. And who gets afraid? We all get afraid. And every time you get afraid, it means your soul is sick. It's not living perfectly in the love of God. And you need to do something. Take yourself aside, get scriptures out, put on worship music, go for a walk and meditate on the love of God for you. Do whatever it is to get rid of that fear because fear destroys souls. Fear brings the soul down. It brings torment into your heart and your mind. It makes you sick. And everyone knows that. Everyone who's had a night where you lay there tossing and turning through the night because you're fearful or worried about something, that is a sick soul and you weren't created for that. You're created to have a peaceful soul. There's even a verse in the Psalms that says that he gives sleep to those who love him. doesn't mean that you earn it, but when you love him and live in his love, sleep comes. You go to sleep at night. It doesn't mean you're worse than anyone else if you're afraid. It means that you're a person, but God has something special for your soul that you can live in his love. Fourthly, we love because he first loved us. If you want to know the health of your soul, look at it like this. And this is an incredibly important point that I think God wants us to major on this year in our church, that the love of God, which is called in Greek the agape love of God, which 
is pure love of God, does nothing for itself. See, the love of God for you is that the love of God for you is that he came into the world to give himself for you, to die for you, whether you responded or not. He will always love you. And yet if you ask God to analyze your soul, see how many things you have done for people uh, that you really inside were demanding a return from. Or you even choose who you want to be kind and loving to because you want them to love you in return. You can do this to a whole lot of people and the, the way you find out is when you're really upset with someone because they didn't do what you wanted them to do. They didn't respond. You were kind, you were generous and they didn't reciprocate and you feel yourself angry with them and you even have a conversation. All the things I did, all the things I did in that church, all the things I did in that family, all the things I did in the workplace and what do I get? The little reality check is that you did do it expecting some return. You did. That's a big wake-up call. How much of your life will you give demanding nothing in return? And if someone doesn't respond to you, you still love them. And you won't go and say something negative about them. You still love them. That's a big challenge for all of us because it is not our fallen human nature to do that. Because we so desperately want to be loved, most of the things we do is to, to demand something in return to meet to meet the needs of our soul because we all need to be loved. But God is saying, and it's all through the Scriptures, in Matthew 6, 33, it says, if you seek my kingdom first, everything else will be given to you. And his kingdom comes when we love sacrificially. Greater man, greater love has no man, it says, than to lay down his life. And laying down your life can sometimes just simply mean holding your tongue. It simply means going and doing something for someone and they can't or they won't ever give in return. And you would have liked it And then sometimes God will turn everything around and they do. And you realize that too was the gift of God. And finally, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And it's it's he's pretty tough on this one because he says if you claim to love God yet you hate a brother or sister, you're actually a liar because if you've experienced the love of God, you will not hate a brother or a sister. So there's a little reality check, and uh, and we've all got to say, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe someone can say, hundred percent of my soul check from that one today. I have no fear. I love everyone. No bad attitudes towards anyone. I do everything just totally for the benefit of others, and I'm just like Jesus in this world. No, no one rely on the love of God. Well, great. That's great. If that's you. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are ready to go home. But for most of us, our souls need a bit of health. And I don't say this to condemn. I say this to say, ask the Holy Spirit to come in afresh on this first Sunday of the new year that you could be someone who becomes increasingly like Jesus and that people look at you and they say, he is kind or she is kind and gracious and merciful and faithful and forgiving. That's what we all want to be like. And that is God's transformation plan for the world through you and me. It doesn't really matter if you do something of great note that everyone talks about or you just do something very quietly. It's become like Jesus and you will influence someone with the love of God because the only way we could see what God was really like was when Jesus came and he gave us this same mission. He said, now you go into the world and you show people what I'm like. That's what we're called to do, to go into the world and show people what we're like. And when we go into the world and we say we're followers of Jesus and we don't show what he's like, it causes great detriment to the world and to the image of God. 
So let us be humble as we come before him and say, Lord, I do not want to do anything that would detract from your glory. May I be someone who really reveals your glory. May I reveal your image. May I do nothing that would make you look bad. And may people say of me, this is a person who truly loves God and I see God in them. So as the worship team comes up, I'd just like us to just sit still and listen for a moment. So um, as uh, the team leads us, I invite you just to sit, just to sit and listen, just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Because the reason God speaks to you and sometimes reminds you of things like he did with Nathan the prophet and David is not because he dislikes you, but because he wants to rescue you. And you can sometimes be trapped. And there is a new way of doing things. And you are becoming like Jesus. If you're here for the first time and you're saying, I want to be like that, then this is, this is the day that seed of new life comes into your life and you become a baby who starts to grow and become like Jesus. And if you're someone who's a rebellious teenager at the moment in your spiritual life, this is the time to grow up. And if you're someone who's weary, this is the time to find strength. And if you're someone who's hurt, this is the time to find healing. Whatever it is that you need in your soul, God wants to give it to you today. So let's just close our eyes and allow God to speak to us because he loves you. He gave his life for you so that your soul could experience abundant life. Father, we come to you today. We are your children. Regardless of our age, we are your children. May we know you and experience your love in ways we've never experienced it before. Break through any hardness in our hearts that is preventing us really experience abundant, experiencing abundant life. Take our pain and our sorrow and bring a joy into it. Take our fears and let us rely on your love to restore all things, all things that are broken and hurting May your Holy Spirit come and restore all things. May we have that confidence in you. Check our hearts to see if there is anyone that we hate and enable us to say, as Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they do. May we be people who people will say of us, they are like Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for joining us today. Take some time now to consider what really stood out to you in that message. God has been speaking to you. And what is it that he said to you? If you're in the room with someone else, turn and share with them what stood out to you. And I say to them, how can I pray for you? Share with them something that you love about God and something that you're thankful for this week. Or phone someone and ask them those questions. What do you love about God? What are you thankful for this week? And how can I pray for you? Bless you and have a great week.